Mr. Pop. Dark. Hello, and welcome to Miskatonic University Radio, a podcast exploring Fantasy Flight Games' Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Dane. And I'm Dan. And I'm Ben. And today we're going to talk about the player cards from the final Mythos pack of the Forgotten Age cycle. But first, we wanted to give a quick shout-out to our friendly local game store, The Portal, over in Manchester, Connecticut. We recently attended uh, an invocation uh, over there, put on by our good buddy Harrison, who organized the whole thing, and it turned out pretty well. Uh, We had a good turnout. There were about 18 people there, I believe. There were three groups of three and two groups of four, how much ever that is, Dan. Uh, 19. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Are you sure it wasn't 17? It's actually 19 pi, but, uh, I, I tried to, <laughs> I tried to simplify it a little bit for you, uh, lay people over here. Yes. It was a good turnout. Uh, we all had fun. Uh, interestingly enough, we had a, an even dispersion of people who, uh, won Egypt, won sleepy time, uh, fell asleep forever and ran away. Uh, we had two people who, uh, two groups that won one group that ran away and two groups that uh died horribly uh and i was one of those groups (laughs) so that was fun um so yeah it was a great time and uh everybody should go to their local game stores and check out these invocation kits because they are fun as all heck and they have promo luckies in them which are really gorgeous i mean i know you guys lost but it sounds like you did okay considering that you guys are playing with some chump who's playing as father mateo like i mean what you know yeah it sounds like you did the best you could under the circumstances right we, we tried we tried but yeah. you know the forgotten age was was even screwing us while we weren't playing it <laughs> <laughs> yep uh. so anyways we wanted to get kind of just Go into the Shattered Aeons cards now that we do have them available. Um, do we just want to jump right into the first uh, card, starting with Guardian cards? Uh, let's do it. I'll, I'll go ahead and do the first one. All right, uh, let's do it. All right. Kerosene. This is a asset. It costs three resources. It costs uh, one experience to put in your deck. Uh, it has one will icon on it. It's an item. Uh, it has three supplies. If Kerosene has no supplies, discard it. And action, if an enemy was defeated at this location this round, exhaust kerosene and spend one supply. Heal up to two horror from among investigators and ally assets at your location. Uh, what do we what do we think about this card? Uh, I think it, I mean, it's sort of, it's similar to things like first aid. It's similar to things like, um, what's that neutral card that you play after you beat an enemy and it heals horror? Rest, moment of respite? Uh, it's, a, it's a guardian card. Oh, oh, moment of respite. Yeah. Well, that's if no mo- no enemies are there. This card re- reminded me of uh, If It Bleeds. That's that guardian event that when you kill a monster, I think, you heal amount of horror equal to the amount of horror that it does, I think, hmm. if I'm remembering correctly. But I just, I thought this was a very interesting card. I don't think it's particularly powerful when compared to other things like like upgraded first aid and stuff like that. Um, but I thought it was a very unique take on healing. Um, and it's very, very flavorful, I think. Yeah, I like the art. I like the flavor. I think I would rather have unupgraded first aid than this. And it costs one resource less and doesn't cost experience and is kind of just better. And yeah, I think it's pretty bad, but I do like the art. I do like the flavor. What do you think, Ben? 
I mean, it because it lets you heal allies and other investigators at your location and up to two, it's definitely a little bit more efficient than regular first aid. But it has this weird qualifier that it has to have an enemy defeated that round, which in large player games, that'll happen a lot. I don't know, it's, yeah. it's not terrible. I do like the art on it of uh, and the theme of, of like you witnessing that the horrible tentacle monster can, in fact, be set on fire. So therefore, you feel a little bit better about yourself. Yes. Yeah. And your odds. And I think and Carolyn also probably could make use of this decently. It, it syncs up with her horror heal. The thing I really don't like about it is that it costs an action. And a lot of times when exactly. you defeat an enemy, it's a guardian card, so probably you're the one that defeated the enemy. I mean, not always, but like more often than not. A lot of times when you beat an enemy, you spent your last action to hit them, and you don't have an action left. Or Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just really unlikely that you're just going to have a free action, I think, after you kill things. Like, you can definitely arrange it so that it is possible sometimes, and if you have other people in your group that are killing things, then it will work a little bit more often, but... There's other cards that just don't have this restriction on them that are just better. So I I really don't think that you should ever play this. Well, I think if you're... uh, Not if you're, like, the main fighter person, Guardian, but if you're, like, someone that splashes into Guardian or or Carolyn. Because the trigger is if an enemy was defeated at this location this round, not this turn. Oh, interesting. So, like, if your fighter kills something, then you could use it. But I still... I agree, it's not... Great, except in specific cases, maybe? Maybe? I don't know. Yeah. I think that people just, and I mean, you know, I I do this too, we all do this, but there's like a natural kind of like psychological thing where we kind of underestimate how annoying conditions are on cards like this. Like, if you have a choice between this card that has this pretty awkward condition that something has to have been defeated at this location this round versus like first aid, which is not quite as efficient, but just doesn't have that condition at all and you can just use it very easily, first aid's just a lot better. Yeah, I think my other issue with Carolyn having this is like she she can't use weapons. So how is she going to kill a monster and then get use out of it if she's the guardian? I'm not suggesting that she is the one that killing monsters. Carolyn's not really great at killing things. She can use level one no. weapons, so she can use machete, but I think her combat is not good. Yeah. So she's not actually a fighter person. She's like a, a third or fourth player, like medic type support that can get clues. So I I. I kind of just think that Carolyn is like so far away from being a viable deck that it's not even, it's not even really worth saying like, Oh yeah, this could work in Carolyn. It's like, well, could it? I, I, mean, I, <laughs> I think she can be okay. Other once she has her actual cards, but her like current like replacement weakness is so cripplingly bad in some yeah, scenarios that it's, uh, it's an issue. It doesn't help that her, her signature card is literally just a, unexpected courage too yeah yeah, pretty much i i agree with i agree with ben uh i think if you if you were forced at gunpoint to try to make a viable carolyn deck you would make a mediocre secret deck where she's going to spend all of her time getting clues and she has like a little bit of horror healing stuff as like backup if somebody needs it in like a four-player game but yeah yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, well, we we really we really got off there talking about Carolyn, but well, uh, I, I have played Carolyn before, Dan. It's, I had a little experience. It didn't go yeah, well. I uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, the, how that the, the, uh, We did like Carcosa. <laughs> the first scenario went fine. Like I got clues and stuff. And the second scenario in Carcosa, I definitely drew her weakness right away. And uh, I don't think I forget if it attaches to the act or the agenda, but whatever it attached to doesn't actually flip, so it just stays in play the whole game. Uh, <laughs> 
It's funny. I, I distinctly remember that somebody somebody else on this podcast who isn't me also tried playing Carolyn once. Oh, it was uh, great. How how did that Dan go? Dan remembers Dane? very very vividly. How, how well? But I I want to hear it from I want to hear it from your point of view, Dane. How how did that go? So that was um, I was really excited about playing a medic, and then we went to the Forgotten Age, and died horribly, <laughs> in the first location of the second scenario, without having moved anywhere. I think I I was playing as I was playing as Roland I think and you drew yes. your weakness very quickly immediately and uh, and I, I looked at it and I was like oh well you you have like horror healing stuff you can just heal the horror so we don't get the doom right and you just stared at me blankly like you just seen death and you were like you just kind of shook your head in a very sad way and I was yes. like oh okay and I was like you were it, I, I, I think in that I think in that moment you were really regretting some choices and uh, yes. you know I'm 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 your friend I didn't wanna I didn't wanna rub it in. The other choice I'm regretting is talking about kerosene for this much. <laughs> there you there you go. There you go. <laughs> Let's move to the next Guardian card. It's called Flamethrower. It is four to play. It's five experience. It's an asset. It commits for two fight or two uh, strength and a wild symbol. Um, it ha- It's an item, a weapon, and a firearm. Uh, it uses four ammunition. Spend one ammo. Fight. The enemy chosen for this attack must be the enemy engaged with you with the highest fight. You gain plus four strength for this attack. If this attack is successful, instead of its standard damage, you may assign up to four damage among enemies engaged with you. Any additional damage adds to this total. And then it takes up both your body slot and both hand slots. So this is a big, big juicy weapon similar to lightning gun. What do we think about it? I mean, similar to all of the like two-handed weapons, it's like a big commitment uh, to put these in your deck. They cost a lot to play. They have ha- this one has four ammo, and might be a little bit better than like lightning gun or what else is out there? Shotgun. There's mm-hmm. one or two more I'm forgetting, but this it might be a little bit better on average. It gives you plus four combat, and it has like this weird you can split up the damage type thing. So I, it's probably about the same level as the other ones. Maybe a little better lightning gun, just because it's cheaper. This lightning gun costs like six and only does three damage, and only has like three ammo. Yeah. This does take up the body slot, but there's not too much competition for body slot right now. So not sure that's like really. Yeah, not big. in Guardian, I don't think. Guardian, I think, has the most stuff in the body slot. It has like bandolier and has like armor of something. Guardians. Yeah, but I don't know. I've never never felt the need to have the armor equipped in bandolier. I don't know. I guess it means you can't do something like have lightning gun with bandolier and do machete. You couldn't replace flamethrower in that scenario. But I don't know. It's, I think it's all right. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's definitely better than lightning gun. I think that being able to yeah. just spread out four damage however you want is really powerful because um, it's a great solution. Like it does a lot of damage to one enemy, or it can wipe out several weaker enemies, which is really good. And the requirement that you have to attack the thing with highest fight, I think it doesn't matter. That's totally fine because you get plus right. four to your to your strength. So it it's who cares? Like you're gonna hit it as long as you're relatively okay. Um, yeah, I, I I think it's definitely better than lightning gun. But all of these sort of double hand, really expensive type weapons, you have to play things like extra ammunition. Your deck gets a lot clunkier because. Um, you really need to find this and then you need to find the extra ammo things. You use up the ammo a lot faster than you'd think. And on top of all of that, uh, how annoying will it be when you finally get this out? You have a couple ammo left 
and then you have to fight like a cultist or something. Uh, you, you know, like, well, a cultist is a bad example because that you can just do with one hit normally, but you have to kill like a ghoul or something with two health. Three, like you're, you're yeah. yeah, you're probably going to be like, well, it's a, it would be a huge waste to use a charge on this to use an ammo. So I probably just have to like punch it twice. And that's incredibly annoying. So I, I don't know. I think it's cool. I, I don't think I would actually play it, but it, it's definitely, we're getting closer. Like this is better than lightning gun. We're kind of maybe getting closer to one of these being good enough that it's worth the downsides. I feel the same way. So if I'm reading this correctly, just just um, just to kind of make sure that I'm reading everything right. Um, so if you want to fight a big creature, right, like let's say the ghoul priest, for example, just a very vanilla boss man, um, you would use this ju- and you just only have him in the room. You would get plus four strength and it would deal four damage to him, right? Yes. That's not bad. Uh, this is, mind you, this is the cost that you're paying for uh, your 44, right? Uh, yeah. You pay four for a 44. So this is like, it, it takes up both your hand slots, but that's a really strong effect for that much money, if you think about it. It's it's true. I just think that if you if you look at how many times over the course of the game you use a machete, it's enough times that, uh, like, you can't have enough ammo for this to, like, replace machete, I think. Yeah, but it is I mean, it is really cool. Like you can imagine just attacking three times and doing 12 damage or even better. You can imagine being on a location and having like three enemies there that you want to kill and just very easily killing all of them without wasting any damage and putting all the extra damage on the big guy. Right, Um, right, right. It would definitely be really powerful. So one thing I I wanted to bring up uh, because because somebody has to bring the jank. Uh, What happens with double or nothing? Does it actually do eight damage? Because it says instead, if successful, instead of a standard damage, do you assign four damage twice? Is that how that works? I think it also, it's worth mentioning, I think that the reason it says the any additional damage adds to the total at the bottom is that if you commit a vicious blow, yeah, um, something like that. you get to, like that damage gets added to the pool that you can assign however you want, I'm pretty sure. Right. Yeah, yep. I think it would double the damage. Uh, I'm pretty sure double nothing is will double anything that is a result of the successful test but not it don't it won't double stuff that's like a reaction to a successful test like it doesn't trigger double Milan or something but I think this this replaces the damage so I think it would double it unfortunately I, I think there's only one character in the game that could actually use both this and double or nothing um, Ben is it possible is it possible that a flamethrower counts as kind of like a fire knife? uh for zoe for zoe purposes well uh there's there's also leo maybe larry we uh larry can use it and oh, okay. uh yeah. so can skids oh no oh, skids can't use it never mind no skids cannot use it. but yeah. i think there could be a deck for larry where he has like he could get flamethrowers and maybe some other double hand weapon and he could have like venturers to refuel his ammo and then also allies that he can just throw down using yeah. his extra ally slots and yeah uh, and and you'd have beat cop to kind of help you with killing little enemies where you don't want to waste you don't want to waste a flamethrower charge yeah i mean if i was again if i had to make a flamethrower deck i think i would play it in uh larry anderson even though he's you know normally not that great and that might be kind of an interesting deck yeah so one one thing that uh just to bring us back to the um the 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 portal event uh the invocation we uh one of the groups that actually won was a group that was sporting uh leo anderson and he was using venturers and lightning gun so that was that was pretty cool i think that's pretty i think that's pretty good for 
for Larry, the the one of the best uses probably for his green his green subclass is to be able to get himself extra money to be able to yeah. do like be able to pay for some of the more expensive cards. Yeah. But it's neat. I also I do like uh like there was a little bit of a theme to the Guardian cards this this pack, which is uh set it on fire, which we're always very pro setting stuff on fire. Hooray. Uh so Yeah, this this might be a good time to uh to tell the listeners our of our general policy whenever we're playing any type of uh Lovecraftian horror involved game that uh anytime you come into contact with any type of written uh document, book, scroll any type of text at all and it's flammable or even any type of like statue or carving that looks like it might be have some kind of significance to it uh you must we immediately set it on fire because uh they're very scary and spooky and it's the safest thing to do is just with extreme prejudice set everything on fire so yeah and that might even come up later with one of the seeker cards so we'll see what happens it's a it's a good policy like it it helped us in night of the zealot burn the house down you know Dunwich definitely burned that book, and then oddly we were stopped. Oh, yeah. We they stopped giving us the option to set stuff on fire in the later campaigns. Uh, well, that's why I forgot <laughs> Ninja so hard. If we'd had the option of just napalming the entire jungle, I mean, like the <laughs> you know the whole campaign, it'd be really easy. But uh, yeah. All right. Well, why don't we move on uh, to the next card? It is a seeker card that called Vantage Point. Uh, it costs one uh, one to play. It is an event. It has an intellect and an agility icon on it. And it is an insight card. And the effect is fast. Play after a location enters play or is revealed during investigator's turn. Until the end of the active investigator's turn, that location gets minus one shroud. You may move one clue to that location from any other location. Oh. So I wasn't too sure what to make of this card. It has like a, it has a lot of stuff going on for it, but I'm not totally sure what type of deck it would fit into i think it it fits into dane's uh don't actually move anywhere like barricade deck where you investigate everything from one location that's true yeah i was about to say that yeah it can move stuff off and move it to wherever you're standing okay also in more general use would be it just moves a move something off like a high shroud location to your like to a low shroud location if if the new location you discovered has low shroud well it has to be the clue has to be moved to that location that was recently revealed. Right. So if you yeah. reveal a low, you know, you find a location that has a one or a two, and there's a location that has a five or four shroud, maybe you move it there because it'll be easier. I don't know. I, I think the problem is if you're basically just using it to get a clue, it's you can you should compare it to like working a hunch, um, and it's just way too situational compared to that. Like the fact that you can only play it during an investigator's turn when a location enters player is revealed is actually kind of a bummer just because fairly often there's like some kind of special location that gets revealed as part of the mythos phase. So even some of the times when you want to use this, you're not going to be able to use it. And I don't know. It's just, it's a weird card. I, it's really hard to see kind of what, what the point of it is. Yeah. I agree that it could be pretty fairly situational and it does. The effect does lower the shroud. Uh, oh, it's just for the active investigator's turn. It's not as good. I don't know. I, I think it's not that great. Maybe you get to find a deck somewhere, but I'm not, you know, maybe, as you said, the, the, the bunker down in one location deck could be, could be good. There are a few applications that I was thinking of. I thought actually a lot about this card because I was trying to figure out like where it would be pretty solid. One situation is in, um, Ben was, Ben was telling me anyway, um, like for, for a Roland deck that likes to pick up and put down clues, 
things like that. You could like scoot a clue that you had somewhere to a clue that might have a monster on it when it spawns or something like that. Um, that's like the weaker point. But I think the stronger point is in solo. Uh, there are some times where there will be a clue on a point on on a place that has a victory on it, and this is actually a way to move a clue off of a place with victory on it to a place that doesn't have victory on it, so that you can benefit from getting the victory from that place, right? And then there's also like the dilemma sometimes when you're playing Ursula, you just go so fast that you can't pick up like efficiently. You can't efficiently run around the map and pick up clues enough so there will be like sometimes clues like one or two clues left on different locations so you can like kind of scoot those advantageously to where you're trying to move so that you can kind of like coordinate it better um, <laughs> as ursula but i think not, the best you're not obligated to run across the entire map constantly you can actually stay still occasionally and pick up the clues before leaving a location no and, and you, I mean, once nope. you once you have like two pathfinders out, it, it's way faster for you to move to where the clue is than to move the clue to someplace else. I, but I, I do. I mean, what you said about solo does make sense. I think if I was playing like a solo rolling deck, I might think about playing one of these because, yeah, that's that's a reasonable yeah. point. Like, to, if if you're playing solo and there's only one clue on a lot of locations, being able to move right. like a hundred percent of the clues that's on a location is actually pretty powerful. But I don't think I would ever play this in any if 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 I if there was more than one person in the group. Yeah, exactly. It's it's tough to to think about it in terms of it being in a group, but that's that's the best application I could think of anyway. Is that you can like not have to discover a clue on a place that has high shroud or something. All right, do you want to move to the next one? Uh yes, let's move on to the next card, but first let me cast a magical spell that will uh, fix Ben's microphone and make it sound better. All right, Ben, say something. Let's make sure that worked. I I didn't hear you cast a spell. Hey, it worked. Great. It did. All <laughs> right. Uh, the next the next card is Pnakotic Manuscripts. Uh, with the the subtext is mind expanding ideas. Uh, this is a seeker asset. It costs five resources, five experience. It has a intellect icon and a question mark icon. It is an item, a relic, and a tome. Uh, uses three secrets. Uh, swift action that doesn't cost an action when an investigator at your location would perform a skill test during a revelation effect spend one secret do not reveal chaos tokens for that test uh action spend one secret choose an investigator at your location do not reveal chaos tokens for the next skill test that investigator performs this round and it takes up a hand slot i think that this is my my first take is this is one of those cards sort of like flamethrower where it's one of these sort of like end of a campaign very costs a lot of experience type cards which if you end up having a lot of experience you should probably get because it's very powerful but it's definitely the fact that it's so that it costs so much experience means that you're going to get it too late for it to like really have as much of an impact on your deck as something that's a little bit cheaper what do you guys think first off i don't know what a swift action is but the, 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 the little <laughs> cir- circle arrow do, do thing, you mean, a, do you mean a reaction is a swift action a thing in that dead card game that you like a lot? No, I, I, <laughs> That's I, definitely I, not a thing. I forgot what the thing was called. I, it's, All right. yeah. Stop referring right. to it like so, that. So, you know, I, this has, uh, I think, like, as a general seeker card, uh, it's probably not that great. Uh, like, it has a powerful effect, but it costs a lot. It costs a lot to play, to put in your deck into play. But because of, like, some of the tags on it, it could fit into some decks pretty pretty well. Daisy. Yeah, like it's a tome, so it's like a. This is like the first tome released for Daisy that Daisy can use, uh, and that's been released, I think, in 
since like Encyclopedia, which was like the yeah. core set. Is, is... Yeah, we we so... haven't seen a new Secret Tome in a while. We have we saw the Book of Shadows a couple different versions of that. But, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I think this would be cool in Daisy. I mean, it's obviously she already has a lot of other tomes that that are kind of competing with it. It does take up the hand slot. She has her her unique item. She gets to hold an extra thing, which is cool. Um, and I mean, the, just being able to spend a secret to not reveal, uh, a token is basically an automatic success, which is very, very powerful is, are there ways to put extra secrets on things that are good enough to be worth playing? Like, I know there's that bad, there's that bad skill card. That's like plus one book. And if you succeed, put a secret on something. I, I think even it's like a mystic skill card. Yeah. I think even if I had this in my deck, I probably still wouldn't play that card. Cause I think it's just not good enough there there is another card that lets you just like put some secrets on your asset i can't remember what it's called though but it's definitely part of the uh bunker down location forever deck because you use a bunch of things that have secrets yes it is and that's why i'm really fucking excited about this beep you can't <laughs> that's not <laughs> <laughs> it is truth from fiction truth from fiction is that that's like this card that's what this this card is like the pinnacle for that deck this is like an insane like remember when you said all the cards and secrets are bad this card is really 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 good this is like scary good this is um basically what i was thinking is uh what's the one the purple one premonition this is premonition but in one card you get to use it three times in addition, you can put more secrets on it with Truth From Fiction or with the other one in Raptured, I think it's called. Um, both of those can put more secrets on it. Uh, notably, in Raptured can do it without taking like any actions. Um, and Daisy can use the action for, for free because she's got her free tome ability. And I think that the triggered ability is very powerful. Like being able to just like drop even just one truth from fiction on this and have five five tests that aren't actually tests is like unbelievable i mean i think that the the two abilities on the card are are almost exactly the same the only difference is so if you're actually on someone's space when they're doing the test you can just use the reaction ability and not spend an action if you want to like give them this as kind of a buff and then they go off and do something on their turn or during right. the mythos phase yeah. That's when you'd spend an action. So Daisy being able to do uh, that for free is kind of nice. I don't think it makes a huge difference. Well, you can't use it. You can't use the the proactive action to help them during a mythos phase because it's during this round. Mythos phase oh, is the yeah. round. But yeah, it's like a proactive like guarantee that someone succeeds at a test. It's also a relic, so that works in some way with Ursula. And I guess with the uh, other with the non Milan seeker ally, that's kind of okay. It works. It works with that like terrible ally that tutors for relics, which you should never play anyway. Ellie, yeah, Ellie, whatever. Hor- Horowitz yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I. So Baby here's face. the thing. Here's let me let me ask you guys a question. What do you think is a more powerful card, this or Doctor Milan? That is an unfair. <laughs> that is a very unfair, completely stilted question. No, for real. Just, just what, what, what do you think is the answer? Milan gives Milan gives you plus one intellect and gives you money pretty steadily. Uh, this costs you also money. Also, costs zero experience. I was, I was just ignoring that part. I would, that's not the the power level of the card doesn't isn't based on like it's, yeah. For, it is forget sort about of based the on XP. Experience, but yeah, forget like, about the XP. So. Yeah, like Milan's going to be probably more useful to you for the whole game. So you obviously want, you know, Milan more than this, but you could put both. I don't know. Or like, what's what's a more powerful card, this or Machete? <laughs> but 
I mean, this for three turns or for no. three tests. Nope. Nope. Machete's still better. No, you want, like, I agree with Dan that, like, having stuff that consistently gives you a bonus is definitely much better than stuff that gives you, that has uses. But if, if, if they have an investigator that, like, somehow, like, uses secrets a lot, like, you know, they have, like, Akachi who's like, oh, she gets extra charges on spells or whatever, or just extra charges. They had the one that was, like, some seeker. Maybe they're like, if they keep doing the secrets thing and secrets isn't just, like, a forgotten age only type of keyword, which it might be, which that's a whole nother, uh, can of worms with them just adding new things that are like oh x whatever's so that it doesn't work with old stuff anyway yeah if they add an investigator that was like oh it's a seeker and they get extra secrets on stuff then i don't know i think there's ways to use this but like because it's a card that you have to like find a way to use it and it's not just flat out good then you know that definitely knocks it down a little bit yeah i mean like this is this is this is a good card i'm just saying it's an xp sync card like um what's the secret card that lets you just tutor for anything or lets anyone tutor for anything no stone unturned um, no yeah no stone unturned it's 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 like cards like that like they're very powerful but they also just cost a ton of experience and even even being as powerful as they are they're still not going to like make your deck run correctly they're just going to help you in kind of like more complicated ways i mean because succeeding on a test automatically is great but there's only a few points during the course of a scenario where that's really going to be useful having like machete or dr milan like those cards are just more consistently good because they make all of your actions more efficient over the long term so these cards that we're talking about right now this like kind of archetype of cards brings up a really good point i think um in other games uh there are these cards that are called win more cards that are generally good cards, but there's just, like, in the typical course of any game, usually they're, like, competitive games. Um, in the typical course from a game, it's just, like, not worth putting in because you need to stick with your bread and butter more. I think that these cards kind of fall into that realm. As as good as they are, I think that this card's incredible, and I, I definitely want to do it in that stationary daisy deck um, that uses secrets because it just has synergy with it anyways. But... I think that this card is just one of those cards that's like, I mean, if you could afford to put it in, like if you had like 60 experience, then definitely do it because it's very powerful. But I think you're right. I think that uh, th- this is kind of like the Arkham equivalent to like win more. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 that's a really good point. And all I'm really saying is the way that I would think about this is this should be like 10th or 12th on your list of cards to upgrade. Like there's a lot of other <laughs> things that you should upgrade first. And then at the very end, once you have basically everything you need to actually make your deck work correctly and you just have extra experience, then you start putting in like the, the gravy, like this stuff. That's kind of what it's for. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I have, there has also been like a trend and as the campaigns have been coming out that we seem to have more and more experience to work with in each one, like done what you had. If you, you know, if you, if you're doing like getting like all the victory or, getting close to it or getting like the better resolutions i think done you end up with like 20 or 30 but like carcosa we ended up with like 45 ish and forgotten age like 60 ish that's also with there's also like a lot more cards that like give like extra experience and stuff too i think i think that's kind of true but i think that the campaigns are getting harder especially forgotten age and you know we're we're working very hard to like make really good decks and play as well as we can and get as much experience as we can um so i think it's it's more like the ceiling on the amount of xp that you can get is raised i think if you were if you were kind of like a newer player that wasn't super uh familiar with how the game works you i think you'd get like about the same amount of experience in any of these which is not that much and i guess also like lower player counts like solo or two player you probably get less experience and you have less access to like someone always has a delve or stuff like that 
Uh, one thing uh, we haven't talked about yet about this card, uh, it's technically it's it's definitely a book, right? It's it's a stone book with Egyptian symbols on it, but uh, which makes it very hard to burn, I imagine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you need, some, true. you need some kind of acid, I think, to really, uh, or you do need to like launch it into space, like fire it at the sun, maybe it would be effective. Um, throw it into a volcano could work. <laughs> uh it is it's, it is a little weird that they like this is one of those uh like lovecraftian spooky books that like pops up a lot i don't know if it was in the original lovecraft stories or if it's like a expanded expanded universe lovecraftian stuff but uh, i'm surprised this didn't pop up as somebody as a seeker's like weakness because a lot of the seekers just have one of the spooky books as their that's weakness. a good point i mean yeah uh, it could it could still like a like a uh, like a less like a less good version of it could still pop up but you know yeah, I mean we've we've seen there's like two different translations of the Necronomicon. One is Daisy's weakness, and the other one is the thing in Dunwich, right? So it could be something like that. Yeah, I guess yeah, that's true. It's just like this. This is like a it looks like they're I don't know those those are Egyptian hieroglyphics probably. Yes. Mm-hmm. So like this this could be something that could show up in an Egypt campaign maybe someday if they don't just stick with it as just like that that uh, pair of scenarios, but. This is a this is not very relevant, but I would be really curious if somebody uh, has studied Egyptology. It'd be really interesting to see if this actually means something. Like, if, is this a, a quote from some actual Egyptian script, or is it something written, or is it just kind of like cool looking symbols? I mean, I'm sure it's a very mind expanding idea that's on it. Like It's actually Chaucer's balloon. The Canterbury Tales, but they didn't know they didn't know what else to put on it. <laughs> Ooh, English major in the house. <laughs> Well, well, Mr. English Major, why don't you uh, walk us through the next card? Yeah, since you're so good at reading. All right, here we go. Gonna read. Borrowed Time. It's one resource to play. It's an asset. It costs three pips of experience to put in your deck. Um, except that it's exceptional, which means that it costs six instead. So it, you can commit it for one will uh, and, and one foot. And it is a ritual. Wow, that surprises me. So you can take an action to place one resource on borrowed time as a click to a maximum of three clicks on borrowed time. Does not provoke attacks of opportunity. Forced, when your turn begins, remove all clicks from borrowed time. You may take that many additional actions this turn, and it takes up a spell slot. So this is actually uh, one of the first. No, no, no. They they have suggestion in green, right? That's that was the first uh, green spell. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the one of the. I think this is the second green spell. Um, this is a. It's not a spell. It takes up an arcane slot. It's a ritual, Dane. Okay. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It is a ritual. <laughs> um, so this is strange. Um, my first reaction was like, it's really cool to bank actions, but I'm not sure how. Or why how you could how you could benefit from spending a turn only to have that turn next turn. There are some times in the game where there's kind of like a lull and you can just be like, well, there's nothing really happening this turn, all the monsters are gonna come out next turn. Or if you're kind of waiting for the for the scenario card to to pop, so to speak, you know, like when the agenda advances or something and the big scary boss happens. That I think is a good time to do this, but I just can't. I can't see another time. That being said, it's it's a cheap, a very cheap to put out for a very strange, unique effect. 
Yeah. And I, then you can't use clicks anymore. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what you're so fascinated with that uh, word. Can I, but... if, if, the, if, if the listeners could only appreciate how incredibly difficult it is, how much mental energy it takes for me to call things in this game actions instead of clicks and to not <laughs> say the word install for playing a card and putting it in. It, can you it, it, just try to imagine for a second like how much it hurts my brain to do this all the time? And and then be grateful that I so, that I work so it's, hard. It's also very possible <laughs> listeners don't know what you're talking about because you are. Well, then a dead they game should dead. then they should look into a, a little a little game called Cyberpunk 2077. Coming, coming. I really hope somebody at least at least one person listens to Netrunner to get that joke. That'll make it all worth it. Yeah, yeah. there you go. But um, no, but more on the card. So. There's a couple things. It has a couple things going for it, I think, because it's only three experience. That means uh, perhaps the best, one of the best rogues, Finn, can actually put it in his deck. Hey, which, which, and which is kind of interesting. And he can have spells. Yeah. Well, or, again, uh, this is a ritual. Use the spell thing. slots rather. <laughs> I also, God damn it. I don't know why you brought up this as a ritual. I'm not sure that there are any cards that interact with that keyword yet that I can think of. But uh, maybe someday. I think Marie, right? I th- no, she can put. I think she can put spells in her deck or something. I don't. I don't know if she. Has okay. I thought, anyway, I thought the word ritual in this game had something to do with doom. Like I thought that like cards that yeah, put doom that's on what I thought too. Rituals or something, but maybe uh, I could totally be wrong about that. It might just be. It could just be a thematic thing. Like oh, you're 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 you know you're winding back the the watch magically and it does something. Or each turn you you check your watch. But the thing with this is is as a rogue, depending on your deck, there might be turns where you don't have stuff that you don't you know a good use of all your actions. So you can bank the action, and you can keep banking the action each turn if you want. So, like, if you put a resource on it, the next turn you have four actions. You get the you get the bonus action as a click or whatever, and then you could just click it again, and you can keep banking it until that final turn. So it's not like you have to make like a turn that you bank all your actions for the next turn to be able to do something. You could do it like slowly over the course of the game. So that, I don't know that 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 could be useful. And there's definitely a couple of cards that like combo. Are there cards that combo with having a lot of extra actions? There's payday. There is payday. There's things like the man but, with red gloves that are sort yeah. of like give you a bonus for one Ooh, turn. That's a good point too. Yeah, yeah that is a good point. Uh, Finn can use the man with red gloves. <laughs> well, to, to, don't forget. Uh, <laughs> don't 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 forget intrepid. Uh, I can't remember what that does right now. Well, then you're good. Um, no, but yeah, when I first read this, I, I thought it was quite bad because I thought it was, I didn't realize, oh yeah, you can just keep putting the clicks back on it if you don't if you don't need them this turn. And if it worked like that, then I, I think it would be very bad. But as it is, um, I don't know. It's really hard to evaluate, but I think it's pretty fun. It only costs one resource. So the opportunity cost is pretty low. If you, especially right. if you're playing with like yeah. the old ball in green, you probably have a lot of experience. It is, it's a bummer that the fact it's exceptional means you can only have one of them. So there's just a lot of right. scenarios where you won't see it, but yeah. I think it's, I think it's probably going to be fun and cool enough that you should probably play it if you can. So the, the card that this kind of directly competes with is, is pocket watch, right? Pocket Watch being uh, basically lets you take your whole turn again or skip like the Mythos phase or which means that you don't put Doom on the agenda, right? I mean, what? So what, that's why do you say it competes with this? Because pocket the well, well they, for, they kind of both have to do with both, time. They both cost so, a lot of experience. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess yeah, that's right. exactly. But you could you could in theory put them both in your deck, and that way you have oh, like of course. you have like two cards in your deck that like 
because they're both exceptional, right? So you can only put one copy. So this <laughs> yeah. this is almost like putting two copies of a similar card in your deck. And uh, I and I think yeah. if you're in a group with say three or four people, you really should get the pocket watch before you get this because the pocket watch is very powerful for sort of winning the game um, with your entire yeah. group. But I think, uh, but this, I think this would be pretty fun and pretty cool. Um, so I, it's sort of like the other ones we were talking about. It's very low priority. Like there's a lot of other cards you should spend experience on before this, but I think it's pretty cool. See, uh, and again, again, uh, Finn cannot take the pocket watch cause it costs four experience or four, it's four pips, it's level four. So it doesn't compete. It doesn't, Finn just has no choice Finn, but to take, but to take this one. Yeah, boy, it's, it's a really it's a good thing that they, uh, it's a good thing that they set up his deck building like that. He'd be way too good. Otherwise. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I've come around on Finn. Our, our friend, friend Colin has been playing him through forgotten age and he's been, he's doing pretty all right. Once he had enough experience and Finn, his deck was, can we just became less terrible slowly. <laughs> <laughs> can we just take a moment to like, I don't know if it might just be us, but I feel like I've seen a lot of community posts on just Finn. I feel like Finn is just like <laughs> the the biggest investigator in this game right now, just because he's so strange. Because him having one will is so weird, and him having these these really horrible restrictions that make no sense <laughs> so is just so right strange. Yeah, he that's, is. That's why they call Finn him is, the thinking Finn is man. So Calvin. hot right now, or thinking persons, Kelvin. <laughs> I yeah, his one will is weird, but it does just encourage you to just completely give up on succeeding at willpower tests. <laughs> So that, I mean, that, you know, so, because if it was two, you kind of like, uh, if it was two will, you're kind of tricked into thinking, oh, maybe I can succeed sometimes at willpower, you know, <laughs> yeah. so maybe I should put like some stuff in my deck to boost my, my willpower. But with Finn, you know, you just know you're going to fail. I, I think that he's, <laughs> I think that he's pretty decent in the Forgotten Age because evading things is actually useful. And I think in the other campaigns, he's basically just a mediocre seeker, but that still makes him one of the better green investigators. This is true. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think we underestimate him. The one will is really bad. Anytime there's like frozen in fear in the, in the encounter deck, you're going to be miserable playing Finn. But well, I mean, it's lucky that he can play like logical reasoning, which is like someone, yeah, someone like that's, Skids that's, who has, I was about to say that. has bad willpower. That's a very can't do that, good, but at least Finn can include that and have a way out of that. Yeah. Anyway, but, yeah. Um, should we? But yeah. So you know, speaking of cards that Finn can't use, <laughs> the, the next card is a is a, another rogue card that is a five level five five pips, uh, and has two wild icons on it, and it's called All In, and it's definitely got a guy shooting some guns while in like a car tray on top of a car that's definitely <laughs> driving away very fast from some type of portal in the sky. So it's amazing. <laughs> that's, that's, this art is great. That's pretty. I love I, it. I like most of the art of this pack. We we'll we'll go yeah. back through through and we'll pick out our favorite at the end here. But yeah, so this yeah. is a uh, it's a fortune card, um, which I don't know if that has an effect on anything. I guess Rex can't use it, but it's already Rex can't green. use it. So yeah. anyway, uh, <laughs> it commits. It has a max one committed per skill test. If the skill test is successful, draw one card for each point you succeeded by to a maximum of five. Shuffle each weakness drawn by this effect back into your deck without resolving it. So this is like a very upgraded courage, right? Because it, you know, it's one per skill yeah, test, this is like, two wilds, and then it has like this is a, like apex courage. Yeah, it's like a pretty good effect, right? The card draw is always great, and it's. I know sometimes you're scared of drawing cards because you have weaknesses or whatever. Unless you're playing Mark, and your weakness doesn't matter. 
uh, or well, if you're Dan playing Mark, Dane definitely, uh, whenever he plays Mark, <laughs> takes a ton of sanity damage somehow. <laughs> but, I've, 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 I've explained this. The key to being good at Mark is you, you're, you're supposed to draw shell shocked on turn like two or three. And the, the, once you get good at playing Mark, you just draw it really early and you're, you're great. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so it works but for everyone else uh like being drawing up to five cards and not having to worry if you draw a weakness potentially it depends what test you're doing it on but like mm. if you pass the test and you've committed this there's a good chance you'll draw a couple cards out of this every time so i think it's pretty good again it's another like five experience card that costs a lot to put in your deck but rogues do have the obol now which i feel like you just always have to get the obol and rogue and just try not to die um, <laughs> yeah. To get all the extra experience. Well, that's what they're good at, I think. That's what they're supposed to be good at, anyway. Rogues definitely have like the highest, I think, on average, like upgraded co- cost for upgrading cards, right? Because they have like all the exceptional cards, and yeah, yep. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's close. I don't know. That, that's just me looking at these two cards right now and be like, oh, one's exceptional. But <laughs> it's it's hard. It's hard to say. I think that a lot of the kind of normal-ish rogue cards that you can upgrade into just are bad. So you tend to like use your experience on pocket watches and stuff. But um, yeah, no, it's kind of like these other ones we've been talking about. It costs a lot of experience. You shouldn't get this until you've already gotten all the important cards that really are important for your deck. But it's definitely good. Um, you can commit it to things and draw several cards, which is sort of tough for for green characters. So yeah, it's it's good. Well, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of green decks that are like. You know, try you already trying to succeed by like one or two or three more than try to go over. So this just kind of like com- compounds. Yeah, but with those that. Eh, those cards are all bad though. Like, yeah, I, I'm just saying like maybe there's enough. No, nah, I don't know if there's enough to make that actually good yet. But eventually, maybe maybe there will be. And yeah, I mean, the, like the cigarette case is, I mean, is good if you have enough things that are going to trigger it. So. Yeah, well, there's that one card. Uh, the the one that the card that immediately jumped to mind when I thought of all in is there's one card that says play when you would succeed at a test and then it, it makes you succeed by two more. So like... Yeah, that card's terrible. It, it, so it is yeah. singularly terrible, but if you if you committed it to an all-in, you could kind of like get you two more cards. playing one card to, to draw, draw two, two cards. cards. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, remember the more stuff you have to commit to something to make something work, the, the worse it is But it's called all-in. That's, that's this flavor. Yeah. I I guess thematically that would work, but that's that's what it's supposed to be. I don't know. I I again, yeah. I think it's definitely a good card, but it costs five experience, and there might be stuff you want to get first. But it could be at the end of the list. I really wish this card was bad because I would have said all in. I'm all out on this card. Um, well, I guess you'll have to but, save uh, that for for next. That's time. definitely <laughs> a very subtle compliment. I'm I'm hoping that they do like a like a, a like an unupgraded version of it that costs like one experience and is terrible because then I'll be. Able but to that, use that that's joke. not all in. <laughs> all in is spending five yeah. experience on a skill card that's basically unexpected courage and doesn't even guarantee that you win it. That is pretty funny. Are there are there like five experience skill cards? There's one. There's the purple one that like makes it so you like automatically draw an elder. Sign yes, or that one's very good. That one's very good. That's. It's also good, but it's another five experience skill card. Right, but so. this notably does not <laughs> exile itself, or not exile, um, remove itself from the game. That does. So this you can oh. keep drawing if you're if you're in a longer campaign or something. Is one last question before we move on? Is there any kind of nonsense you can do with this? With like, uh, well, Silas can't play it, but is there any type of nonsense you can play with it where you somehow like yank it back or like? Is there something that lets you play skill cards from the graveyard, or is there anything you can do to like recur this a bunch of times? I don't think so. It's not innate. 
Uh, Most of the people that can recur stuff, I think, are red or survivors. Yeah. I was going to say, you'd, you'd need somebody who's rogue main use... survivor off to do it. Could Windy? Uh, no, Windy's red. No. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I mean, like, yeah, if they printed, like, a main green with a little bit of red, or if you played, like, Jenny or something, is there any... Probably not, but I'm if, just wondering. If Finn could use it, he could use, he could also use his splash <laughs> to get some red cards that recur, but... You could, uh, uh, yeah, know. Jenny poor, could use it, actually. Thing. Jenny could do. Oh no, no, she can't. Because uh, you would, yeah. you would. I don't, I don't. I don't remember if there's any red, like level zero red cards or yellow that are doing the recursion. No, I'm thinking of the level one. Uh, try and try again. No. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, something to keep in mind if they make a survivor, a, a, a rogue that can use like level two survivor cards yeah. or something. Yeah. It would definitely so. be great to recur. But uh, yeah, all right, uh, Dan. You were talking about casting spells earlier. Uh, you want to talk about the next card? Yes. Uh, this is, uh, so this is, the next card is a mystic asset, costs three resources, three experience, it's called Shards of the Void, uh, it has a will icon and a strength icon, it's a spell, seal the zero token, uses three charges, uh, action, spend one charge or release a chaos token sealed here, fight, this attack uses will instead of strength and deals plus one damage, you get plus two will for this attack for each zero token sealed on Shards of the Void. For each zero token revealed during this attack, seal that token on Shards of the Void, and this attack deals one additional damage. Uh, all right, what do we? Hmm, what do you guys think about this one? Okay, I mean, it also takes up an arcane slot. Yeah. This card. Yep, that, that's true. There is there is one class of cards that I cannot stand. I get really nervous when Dane seems like he's going to be really excited. I get about very <laughs> angry at these cards. There's only one card that's been printed that I got very angry at before, and this is the second one that I'm going to get very angry at, because this is the second card that takes away the zero, a good thing that everybody can draw in your group, to make your spell more powerful. This is basically, like, this is not basically Crystalline Elder Sign. That card is very bad, and you should never play it with your friends. This card, though, you should never play with friends, or else you're going to lose friends, or lose the game. (laughs) Those are your options. Pick. That's all I have to say about this card. Yeah, I other than the fact I that that art to... is very, very feminine for for Dexter Drake. He's 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 like a flamboyant, uh, you know, uh, performer guy. This so is true. I think it works for him. I was uh, I was kind of thinking like I, I was trying to evaluate this in the scenario where you play it and immediately use it and unseal the zero, and then like, is it good even in that situation? And in that situation, it's basically kind of like a worse shriveling that you might play because you're only allowed to put sh- two shrivelings in your deck. Yeah. Um, like, especially if you were playing a mystic in solo, which I'm, I'm not sure how all that would work to begin with. You, you like, we really do kind of badly want like second shriveling because having two in your deck kind of isn't enough. Yeah. So maybe you'd play it for that reason, but it's definitely, it's not great. Hmm. And I mean, no, notably it is a spell. It's, it's not shriveling level three. You're right about that. They do have access to arcane research, which means that they can, if they put two in their deck, they could technically take it for one. Um, so that's not too big of a deal. Uh, nope, that's not correct, uh, Dane. Ar- Arcane Research only helps you when you're upgrading spells. That means you have to take replace be placing the cards of the same name. So like Shriveling works. Are you kidding me? No, <laughs> it's only it's only good for doing upgrade. I'll double check. I'll use my I'll use my internet mind really quick to double check to make sure I'm not crazy. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> Well, many revelations are being had. This card's terrible. Don't ever play. Well, no, I mean, so, okay, again, I'm mostly playing Devil's Advocate. This isn't great, but 
I think the keep in mind it's for each zero token revealed during this attack. First off, how many zero tokens? There's usually like in, in normal mode, there's like two, right? Uh yes. And I think hard uh, there's probably also no two, hard there's three hard there's, there's three like there's one. no plus one it's replaced by a zero uh, so there are three zeros also keep and hard if uh, you're doing something if you're revealing more than one token like if you're playing mysterious statue um i'm mostly thinking like for solo where you're not screwing anyone else over you could yeah. have some kind of a thing where you're kind of like releasing it then sealing it again not spending a charge getting extra damage like it's 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 a really cool idea. I don't think it's actually good in a group setting. They definitely but. want you to play with this, with this like Olive, Olive, Olive McBride. I think that's her name, and and uh, Dark Prophecy. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, like because then you can yeah, reveal they... like all the zeros and put all the things on it, and then make everybody else miserable at the table. Yeah, they definitely want you to play it with all of the like look at a bunch of tokens yeah. and pick one purple cards. Yeah. Uh, notably, I don't think this works with uh, grotesque statue or mysterious statue, which whatever it's called. Because you ignore the t- when you you'll you reveal two, but then you ignore one, so it's treated as if you didn't reveal it. But you so, already revealed it, though. Can you have this mm, resolved first before you put the before no, you put it away? I I'm pretty sure that because it says ignore, you, you treat it as if it was never revealed. Oh no, no, but 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 this is fine because if you reveal a zero, you're not going to ignore that one. You're going to yeah, keep the zero. Yeah, you pick that exactly. one. Exactly. Yeah, so exactly. that doesn't so, work like, in that capacity. Olive is the only one that I mean, can reveal two at once. In, in the very rare scenario that you like did a mysterious statue draw and you got two zeros, then yeah, you couldn't get both of them, but that's yeah, fine. Yeah. That's like never going to happen anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, no, like this definitely is, this definitely does get a lot better when you're using like statues and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm trying to think of all these seal cards that they've added and I'm wondering if they've added enough that let you cancel out the bad tokens as well as good tokens that, that you could just cut all the tokens out of the bag except for like three, like minus twos. Always, always I, I that. think I'm, I but. think I'm pretty firmly on the record that this sealing cards are generally pretty bad and definitely don't seal the zero. Don't you're screwing it up for everybody. Don't seal the zero if you're playing with a group of people. But I do think this is like a neat idea for a card. And I think if you're playing solo, maybe give it a try. And if there's other stuff that comes out later that kind of supports it, then maybe think about it then. But yeah, for now, probably don't play this. Dan, I want to direct your attention to the next card because oh, yeah? I want to talk to you about a good seal card. This is okay. Seal of the Seventh Sign. Can you tell we came from Snakeville? Uh, over the Threshold and Beyond. It costs four. It costs five pips of experience to put into your deck. It is an asset, a spell, and a ritual. Uh, it gets one will symbol and a wild symbol. Seal the auto fail. Uses seven charges. If Seal of the Seventh Sign has no charges or if it leaves play, remove it from the game. Forced after a skull, cultist, tablet, or uh, squid is revealed during any skill test, remove one charge from Seal of the Seventh Sign, and it takes up your spell slot. This card sucks, Dane. <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> this yeah. card's not very good. Don't don't play this card. Do you want to go? Th- do you have like? Have you done the mental math to figure out how many skill tests it's going to take before I, it well, goes I away? Well, I could do. While I am capable of great uh, accomplishments in mental math, I don't need to do any mental math <laughs> to see that this card is bad. So, so I mean, there, there's one part of this card that makes it bad. Yeah, it's because it takes up an arcane slot, right? So it does take an arcane slot, which is definitely very bad. Right now, I'm trying to think. There are like investigators that maybe don't need to use both right of seeking and uh, shriveling, like um, Normand. The 
the overlap of characters that are allowed to play a level five uh, purple card and don't want to use both their spell slots for things that actually do something is there's there's nobody in that overlap it's normand it's just normand because he doesn't need normand norman withers am i saying norman with a d at the end (laughs) yeah there's a d any word that ends with an n also has a d that's an english rule dane can confirm uh that's not true in the slightest (laughs) Don't don't lie to try to just support Dan and make him look, look less like he has egg on his face, Dane. I know you're a friend, but come on. <laughs> yeah, um, come on, Dane. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Norman, uh, Norman, uh, he can use this because, like, he doesn't need Right of Seeking, so he just has, like, Shriveling. And he can use, like, the Evasion card, but, uh, which has a name, Miss, Miss of, of Riley or Riley or however, however you say it. So, for him, he, he could consider picking this up because he can't get he obviously has no access to high level seeker cards so he can't get those but he could definitely run like shriveling with this and maybe make good use of it he also can he can use statues to help avoid uh spooky symbols because for the same reason the last card i'm pretty sure that statue says you know ignore so it counts as not being revealed yeah so this card also uh you could you could so there are there are actually times um i think it's only when i'm playing with specifically two people, where the other person is a seeker, and you don't need both of your spell slots. You just need, like, a shriveling, or you need a mist of uh, Riley to to dodge things if you're playing the Forgotten Age. Um, mostly you want your shriveling out, though, like, basically no matter what. And then the other one you can just kind of, you don't really ever use, unless you want, like, two shrivelings down. But that might not be totally necessary. This is, like, where that really, really shines. This is, like... Really good, I think, like, with exactly two people. With three people where you have a dedicated Seeker and you have a dedicated Guardian or or Protector, and then you kind of have that flex slot, I think that there's there's definitely has to be... There there has to be math done how many people are taking tests and how many people are pulling symbols. Again, it's a win more card. I think that when when they go through the last pack of every set, they have all of these cards come out. But I think that sealing the autofail is something that we've never seen, and I don't think we'll ever see it again. It's a very powerful effect. Yeah, I mean, it it is true that all of these seal cards that have come out this campaign, every single one of them, I'm looking at them and saying, like, the only thing I actually want to do is seal the tentacles. I don't care about sealing yes. anything else. And sealing the good tokens isn't worth any of these rewards, and sealing the other bad tokens isn't really that important. Yeah, well, here's here's some math. So in kind of like a normal standard chaos bag... There's like two skulls, two other weird tokens, and then the tentacles, right? So and you got rid of the tentacles. So you have like four, you have four tokens that will remove a charge from this. And then you have what, like 10 or 11 that are numbers that won't? Depends where you are in the campaign. Yeah. I mean, this definitely gets way worse if you're playing something where they keep making you add like tablets and cultists, right. which is how right. Forgotten Age works. Um, but suppose you're like at the beginning of a campaign and you're somehow playing this because <laughs> you, you spent your father Mateo XP on this. Game. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, you can do that. Yeah. It's, wow. it's probably something on the, it's probably something on the order of like a quarter of the tokens in the bag to maybe a third are going to remove a charge. So you have seven charges. It means that you're going to get to make, you know, maybe like 20 something tests. Um, but a lot of those tests are going to be things where you don't really even care if you draw tentacles. Like somebody's just investigating three times. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that this is kind of similar to the, the manuscripts that we talked about earlier. It's just cards that just make you succeed on tests are 
not always as good as they seem. Like cards that actually make your actions do twice as much are those are the cards that are really important or cards that like draw you a bunch of other cards so that you can just get to your stuff faster. Those things are important. Cards that do stuff like this can be good, but this is like pretty expensive, both in experience and in money. It's, it's pretty good. If you have like unlimited experience, yeah, eventually maybe get one. If you, if you don't need both your spell slots. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's all right. If, if this card had been out when I played Father Mateo at that invocation event, I might have considered putting my deck just to cancel out for when I seal the Elder Side. I'd be like, <laughs> oh, I, I sealed the Tentacles too, guys, though, so it's fine. Don't don't throw me out through the window, please. <laughs> it's it's okay. Oh, <laughs> um, but, yeah. uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I agree that with what Dan just said about, like, there are more some more powerful effects. This, I think think you could maybe do some type of fun deck where you seal the elder sign and you can seal some of the spooky tokens. Uh, what isn't there a card that lets you seal the spooky tokens for a while? A different type of statue, right? Yeah, it's um, it's a, I think it's a ritual. Uh, it's a, it's another yeah. spell ritual. It costs one I, one experience. Is that the one you're talking about? I'm not sure why it being a ritual is relevant. Protective but, incantation, I think it's called. Uh, it might be. It might be that. But there's also Cthonian stone. Oh no, Cthulhuian Stone is what I was okay. thinking. Of. Or both, or both. I don't know. You could maybe do some type of deck. So yeah, if you're using Protective Incantation or the Cthulhuian Stone to like seal most of the bad tokens, and also also play this to seal the the elders, um, the auto fail, then maybe you can do some type of awesome thing where you never have the spooky tokens. But I don't know. I haven't looked at all those cards to see if it's actually worth investing that much in your deck to be able to do that type of take all the tokens out of the bag build but i think there's potential that it could it could at least be fun to do so i don't know if it's you know objectively better than what is otherwise available but yeah and also i like the art on this card actually yeah i was about to say that too i mean i think i think we this this pack definitely deserves a a quick brief like review where we just talk about the art because i think the art on most of these cards is really cool uh, really unique and really, really, they they definitely left it off uh, with a bang, with the art. Yeah, guys. if there's uh, if 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 anybody at FFG is listening to this, um, please make a playmat of this art. I would really, really like a playmat of this. It looks amazing. Yeah, I mean, even the all in like art is is really really dope. Yeah, I mean, like that that first round of playmats, a couple of them were okay, but most of them it was kind of like, why did we pick this? Out? This isn't <laughs> cool. It's just like a random werewolf guy or something. Um, yeah, things like this, kind of like landscapes with like weird, creepy stuff in the background, like that's what we want for playmats. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, they haven't printed. Have they printed playmats at all since the first wave? I guess they did those Christmas ones or holiday. Oh, they ones. did. Do, I haven't seen one ever actually in person. Well, they only they only available for like limited time. So if you didn't buy them then, then I guess you're out of luck. I didn't like them enough to buy them, but I thought they were you know one of one of them was kind of cool, but yeah. Yeah. So I agree. Definitely want some more playmarts with some cool, spooky things uh, on them. Yeah. If everyone, if no one else has any thoughts on that card, I guess I can move on to the next one. Here we go. All right. So the next one is the first survivor card in the pack. Uh, it's called Impromptu Barrier. Uh, it, it costs one to play. It's a level zero card, and it's an event. It is a tactic and improvised. Tactic, of course, means that Mark can play it. Woo! Uh, And uh, it says, uh, you may play Impromptu Barrier from your discard pile. If you do, shuffle it into your deck after resolving its effects. The effect is Evade. 
The chosen enemy gets minus one evade for this evasion attempt. And then if you played impromptu barrier from your discard pile, you may evade an additional enemy at the same location with evade X or lower. X is the amount you succeed by. Ooh, I did not see that second part. Yeah. <laughs> Last slide. So, uh, so this is like a, the third card and kind of like this improvised line they've been like slowly adding for the last couple packs. There's one that's like like this that lets you play to reduce the shroud by one, uh, and then from your graveyard it it does the same thing, but also gets you an extra clue if you succeed. And there's one for fighting that I can't remember the effect off the top of my head. Uh, vicious blow. Is... No, it's not vicious blow. What? It's just, I think it's just called improvised weapon, isn't it? Yeah, it's oh, called yeah, improvised, improvised weapon. weapon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh Vicious Blow is like an excellent blue card. Uh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Improvised weapon. She does something similar. It's like uh it lowers the fight and I think it does like extra damage yes. when you do it from Th- the graveyard. That's what I meant. It's like basically a vicious blow if you do it from the graveyard. Uh discard pile. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, I yeah, I agree with that. It is effectively that. I think um I think this one is probably the worst of those three because But probably evade, you mean which... definitely. Yeah, okay. I'm you know, I'm trying well, to try, I was well. Oh, Dan. So, get oh, a hot take. I mean, whoa. It's not <laughs> no, it's well, all my takes are hot, Ben. Shut up. Um <laughs> I mean, I think that it's not good, but I'm inclined to say it's not the worst one because the the deck that's going to be best at using these is Wendy, and for Wendy, improvised weapon is completely useless. So this one like maybe you would play one of these in a Wendy deck for Forgotten Age where you're going to be evading a lot of stuff. I, I I don't think I would, but like I definitely wouldn't play improvised weapon, and I might think about playing. One Desperate of these. Pete uses uh, both both of the uh, the uh, improvised weapon and and uh, winging it, and both of those are very strong. And both of those are things that you want to be doing, right? You want to be killing monsters, and you also want to be getting clues. This does none of the. Above. I mean, we we all agree that winging it is like the the really good one. Yes, right? yes, hundred percent. Um, this one. But Desperate Pete's not going to want to use this, though, right? Because he's an evade stuff. Also, Ashkin Pete's just bad. I... <laughs> but, uh, you know, <laughs> That's very untrue, and I will fight you. Um, so this card, I was actually looking, really looking forward to the this one um, being printed, hoping that it would be the slip-away effect, because I do know that sometimes they have green effects that carry over to Survivor and Survivor effects that carry over to uh, Rogue. And you mean by, by slip away effect, you mean if something stays evaded for an extra turn, like it doesn't ready. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that would be really cool uh, because that, that effect is actually not bad because hunters, that means that hunters like can't hunt for two turns, which is that would, that version, that hypothetical version of this card, I would play one of in like, yeah, that, that is what I thought they would do. I was very excited for that because they printed slip away. So I, I figured that they might carry that over to this, but this, this, like, I don't even know. I, I can't even read what this does, and I'm in, I, I I have an English degree. This is I mean, terrible. I I mean I understand what it does, but <laughs> and I mean again, like in Wendy, you like you could play one. You just use it to draw another token at some point, and then it's sitting in your discard pile, waiting for when you do need to evade two things at once. Unless you draw your weakness first and remove everything from your discard pile, and then. <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah, it's 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 not great. Yeah, it's like yeah. it it suffers from the oops syndrome, right? Like. How? What is the percentage of the time that you play this game that you will be engaged with two things in which you specifically need to dodge both of them at the same time? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Hey. Also, I didn't even. I forgot about that last part. The second thing you evade has to have evade 
X or exactly. lower, where X is the amount you succeeded yes. by. Yes. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was like buy one, get one free at a store. Like the thing you get free has to be cheaper than the thing you pay no, for. No, 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 no. But this is no, you have to succeed by yes. that much. So yeah, this is, no, this is, this is very, very bad. You sh- nobody should play this. I was very game. upset by this card, I think. Um, yeah. I would, I, it's like minus one evade, which is, which is cool. Um, but like, uh, but, the the secondary effect is not good enough. Exactly. To, yeah. Uh, it, just it's also the enemy gets minus one evade. The chosen enemy, if it, if it just gave you plus one instead, then at least it would help you succeed by more. Well, no, but I guess it's the same, isn't it? So yeah, it's just it's it's just still bad. Just don't do it. Yeah, it was very upsetting. Yeah, it does have it does. It looks like I think that's supposed to be Rita on there. Uh, the art. She's like made some type of giant wall out of bookcases and and chairs and stuff. It was it was very impromptu. It looks Yeah, there is definitely a spooky statue like next to her that she didn't use in the barrier. There might have been a mistake. The, I don't know. The art uh. is really we we keep <laughs> saying this, like the art in this game is always great, but like it's the framing, the way that the sort of the way that the art for events is kind of like diamond shaped yeah. and the kind of the angle of like the beam falling and she's like kind of running in the kind of Dutch angle of it is really great. Like that's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. All this art is very is very hot right now. <laughs> so hard. <laughs> uh should we do the last card? The last yes. uh, card? Okay, so the last card uh, is a survivor event. Costs one, costs three experience. Uh, one question mark icon. It's called Alter Fate. It's a spell, ooh, and it's blessed. Uh, fast, play during any lightning bolt player window. Choose and discard from play a non-weakness treachery that is not attached to an elite enemy. Uh, and notably, this is kind of like a preview of the Circle Undone because the art is of a tarot card, the tower. Hey, that's really cool. Well, it's a notably different tower than uh, is on, I think, some of the art they've showed for yeah. the tower already. But it's have, still, I agree. Have they, isn't there kind of... Isn't there kind of a thing with like the very last player card in each cycle being like kind of a preview of the following is one? Is it really? Sort of. Uh, oh, I man. thought there was something like are that. You, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm making it up. Don't, don't make me very excited, Dan. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we could go check it right now. I'm going to go check this right now. Guys, keep talking, quick. While while you do that, so um, this is an interesting card. It's a three three survivor, yeah, it's level three survivor. They still refuse to print, like, level four, level five survivor cards, uh, which, I I don't know. I don't don't know if that's good or bad. Will to survive. That's still probably the best... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the best high experience no see card, maybe but, but yeah, to have um, a to have a viable survivor deck you have to keep spending all your experience to keep putting in test of will into your deck over and over again that's, that's so true you don't, you don't have experience to play things that cost five <laughs> i don't know but so let's, let's look at the card so it is blessed in a spell so that means a couple of the mystics can can use it yep. uh marie if you have her uh can use spells and mateo can use blessed cards yes uh but as for the effect itself uh, choose and discard and play any non-weakness treachery. So this gets can get rid of like any of the annoying treacheries that like go into your play area, or like get attached to the agenda or the act, um, that type of stuff, or stuff attached to enemies that makes them scarier unless that enemy is an elite. So that can be good, uh, depending on the scenario. But sometimes there's scenarios that like don't have that annoying of an effect that goes in your your player zone or like that. I don't know. What, what do you What do you guys think? I, I want this to be good because so Agnes is one of my favorite um investigators oh. and you're playing you're playing um Arcane Initiates to to help find stuff. Ag- Agnes, so Agnes definitely can't use this card. 
Yeah, exactly. It's level. It's level three. <laughs> I know. Well, I, that, I was I was getting to that, Ben. Oh, um, sorry. I, I, I so I, I wish you could play it in Agnes because it's a spell, so it's like another target for your initiate to hit. But even then, I don't think I'd play it because, as you said, there's just a really narrow range of. So it's it's basically non enemy, non weakness, like non enemy cards that you draw from the encounter deck, which stay on the field instead of just being things that you deal with and then they go into the discard pile. There's just not that many of those, mm. and uh, a lot of those that that do exist are will tests anyway, which maybe just play like guts or something instead. So I'm trying to think. Quick applications. It's a cool idea, but I I really don't think that. Uh, I guess there's those like annoying trap things in Ruguru. Yeah. So quick applications. Uh, Undimension unseen. If you're if if you're er, unseen, Undimension unseen. If you're playing this, uh, if you're playing them as like standalones. Any of the, I mean, really, like these cards become more viable. Mostly, we're just talking in the scope of a campaign. But if you have like an immediate 19 experience or how much ever you want to put in your deck available to you, this might be good if you're going into it knowing that there are effects like the one that gives all those really big undimensional unseen monsters even bigger, like more health, more all that kind of stuff. Are those not elite? Uh, no, they're not because you can mind wipe oh, them. Yeah, yeah, because you can mind wipe yes. them. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. It is. I mean, it's cool that this is, uh, you can discard from play anywhere. So if like someone else on the other side of the map is dealing with something, you can help them without being near them, which is cool. It's very mysterious. It's really too bad. It doesn't work on weaknesses. It would be cool if it was like, oh, somebody has a really annoying weakness. We're going to put this in to deal with it. You know? Yeah. What is this? Uh, it says a non-weakness treachery card. So that's just too narrow. Here's a rule. I'm not actually sure on, uh, when you draw, in the during the time period where you have drawn a treachery card and it's like being resolved oh, is that yeah. card considered to be in play because there's some because if it is but that's not there's no player window there there's no lightning bolt player window no there. there is during a skill test there's a lightning bolt oh because there's some that are like you can't play events right like there's um the whatever it is the can't play assets or events uh well no not for that i meant like if you draw a treachery card and it has like, oh, test will five. And you, while you're doing the will tests, can you play this to make it get discarded? Uh, Although hmm. I, I, at that point, you're already doing the will test. So I don't know if you yeah, actually still usually, have to resolve it. I mean, usually the will test is like, if you fail, then you put it in your threat area. And if you succeed, then you don't put it in your threat area. No, I'm just talking about any general card that you draw oh. that just says like, oh, oh that's test will power five. Or take two horror, and then you would discard it. That's not, but it doesn't. That's not in play. Like in play means it's like installed, right? You know. <laughs> well, <laughs> no. There's there's other things that are in play. Like you know, all the locations are in play. I, mean, I don't know. I I think maybe that doesn't work on that. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty like sure it doesn't. Three work. different things you just said. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It would make it a little bit better. A little bit better if it did. But for sure. But. Yeah, I don't know. It's too bad. It's cool that it's a tarot card. We 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 think those are neat. Yeah, it's just too narrow. I I just I don't I don't think you would ever want to play this. Yeah, I think like again, it it's it's for situations. Uh, if you know that you there's going to be particularly annoying treachery cards that you want to deal with, so you slot this in. Yeah, but you don't like you don't spend three XP on a super situational card usually. Like fine clothes is like yeah. a situational card because it costs zero, so you like adaptable it in for uh. You know, I don't know if we came to a, 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 an exhausted conclusion on this card not being able to cancel treacheries, but if we didn't, then it's like basically two more wards, right? In mm, red. It well, no, because it wouldn't work. It definitely wouldn't work on ancient evils because there'd be no window for ancient evils. 
Okay. So it's definitely okay, not as good go. as Ward. Yeah. Or other cards similar to Ancient Evils. Not as good. Also, uh, in the time that you guys were doing that, I was researching the, the final pack of, <laughs> of oh. the other stats. Oh boy, Let's, what was your conclusion? I don't think there is... They're all full of really expensive cards. With, that is one one uh, thing that I wanted to draw attention to, that they are definitely all very... <laughs> they're all like, hey, you guys reached the end. Good job. Here's a ton of cards that you probably won't be able <laughs> to use. But uh, but yeah, so I mean, maybe there's like time warp in the last in in uh, Dim Carcosa that could be a hint at snakes. Mm-hmm. Time. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. I just I thought there was a couple things like that, like oh, time warp is kind of like a hint forward to Forgotten Age, you know, maybe. But then also in in Lost in Time and Space, there's a uh, pocket watch. Uh, yeah, but that's not like as time travely as. You, you could know. say like the red gloved man, maybe Carcosa. It's referencing it, the the guy is identified by an article of clothing he's wearing. Man in the pallid mask, red gloved man. Huh? I think I think this might be a stretch. <laughs> I, I think I think uh, yeah. I think I, uh, I think uh, time unless there's art that has snakes on it or art that has uh, a play or dreaming or just a lot of yellow. I mean, oh, there's probably a couple of secret cards. When when you think about it, isn't any curved line in a piece of art kind of like an ink snake? <laughs> no i i think time warp was the one i was thinking of but i don't know Pro- probably not it's probably not a thing that they're doing intentionally well now it definitely is i think with this card this card is like 100 percent. that's you were right about that maybe there's no way matt newman in all his in all his uh wonder was not like hey you guys shouldn't make a uh a reference to the next set <laughs> I mean, I don't know. They they already is this existing art that was already uh, used in other games. They definitely have there, tarot cards. In other there games, was definitely but... like an Eldritch Horror expansion that had like all the tarot cards in it. So, so I, I don't remember what the what the art looked like, but it's very possible this is one of those. Well, it's very apt. Yeah. Anyway, but say. but we'll, we'll give them credit. You know, I, I will say that they they're thinking ahead. Foreshadowing it, the foreshadowing yeah. is killed a little bit because obviously before this pack came out, they did a release article that's like, <laughs> oh, the next campaign yeah. ter- has tarot card theme a little bit. And even before that, didn't it didn't it get spoiled by some website or something? I don't know. But uh, it, maybe I don't not. think it did. I think maybe Circle Undone was not spoiled ahead of time by some random like game store website oh, yeah. from Europe or something. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, we'll 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 do like a preview episode later, but I think we're all definitely pretty excited to see uh see what what what's going on in Circle Undone. So, yeah, yeah. All right, so last last thing we got to do then, unless you have another thought on this card, Dane. In conclusion, uh, I wanna I wanna talk about all the art in general, uh, or any any final thoughts anybody has to say. I was about to lead us into the art, so woo. Uh, so yeah, so the art, we I think we touched on almost all of them as we went through it. Uh, what, what do Dan, uh, Dan? Do you have a do you have a favorite art from this pack that you like the most? I think the one that I want to play mat of, which is usually how I judge it by, is Seal of the Seventh Sign. The one that I actually think is sort of the most impressive and the best like uh, card game art design actually might be Impromptu Barrier, but there it's all great. Like the art in this game is incredible all across the board. So I appreciate that on the borrowed time card, it definitely has like three or uh, it's like three parts of the watch. I don't know if it's three watches, but it's like, oh, because you can have three clicks, three, three, <laughs> nah, I, you know, I think that's neat. It's, it's very confusing because I thought it was an item and then it wasn't. It was a ritual. Yeah, I really so. confused why you're obsessed with this ritual keyword, Dade. <laughs> well, because I, I was I was 100 percent thinking that it was an item and then it wasn't. 
and I'm very confused because it's now. not actually it's not actually a watch. Like this is not a physical object. It's like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. It's talking about the actual time itself. But yeah, I, I I think there's a lot of there's a lot of shiny bits in the uh, borrowed time, shards of the void, all in, seal the seventh sign, all that kind of stuff. Even alter fate kind of has something sort of like lightning crackling all over it. Very very cool, very interesting pack that that offers a lot of like end game i mean obviously all of the other the other final packs do but i think this introduces some of the most unique effects that we've had so far like borrowed time nothing else in the game uses clicks except for dan when he talks all the time <laughs> for forgive me uh, for playing the greatest card game ever made for like three years all the it's time true. <laughs> and having it colonize my brain pathways with its you went majesty. to the memorial, Dan. You have to you have to be able to move on. Like I did, it was, I did. I know, I know. It was gratuitously murdered by Wizards of the Coast. Go so, go, go play Overwatch, you chump. I hey, I've I haven't played Overwatch uh, for at least a couple weeks now. Good, so good. You're all bad. Yeah. <laughs> seal of the Seven Sign. I don't think we'll ever see another card that seals the elders or the um the the auto fail. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if, if they if they really cool if they come back and make more sealing cards, it could happen. If that's just the thing, just for this campaign then yeah they're done but i mean anything that seals the tentacles obviously has to be like really expensive or have some drawback to it so. yeah you have to you have to you have to take a second look at it but yeah i think these are all really interesting cards uh whether or not some of them are good some of them are bad um there's definitely we've we've been a little bit harsh on the the scenario the scenarios in the forgotten age i think it hasn't really played out the way that we kind of had hoped but i think the yeah the player there's been a lot of interesting player cards and uh yeah, I mean we're we're excited to actually get to play the final scenario because we haven't played it yet, and we're excited to see what's coming up next. Yeah, so those are our thoughts on the final set cards of the Forgotten Age. Tell us what you think about them. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Anything that you feel we overlooked? Let us know. Are there any rules that Ben failed to correct us on? Comment wherever you listen to podcasts, or email us at miskatonicuniversityradio at gmail dot com. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.